I remember looking for books or stuff to read, like about like people going through the same thing because it was really difficult for the people around me to understand what I was going through. Um, and it was like kind of taboo to talk about it, really. So when I got all better and stuff like that, I was just like, I, I want to do that for someone. Um, I want to do something that when people read it, they're like, oh, well, I relate to that in so many ways. So, yeah, that was like the, the biggest like, idea behind it. Welcome to another episode of The Caption Life, a podcast about the impact of comics and pop culture on life and society, and vice versa. From deep in the heart of Texas, I'm Kevin, and across the rainbow bridge of friendship, I'm joined by my good buddies, Sean in Indiana. Hello. And James in Kentucky. Hello, everyone. It's Star Wars Day. That's right, we are recording this episode on Monday, May the 4th. So a very special Star Wars greeting to all of our listeners. May the 4th be with you. May the fourth be with you. And also with you. <laughs> for, the, for those Catholics out there. <laughs> <laughs> and with your spirit. Right, yeah. <laughs> so you'd, you'd think that because of the significance of today's date, we dedicate an episode to a conversation about the light side and the dark side. But actually, we have something much better than Star Wars. And I know what you're thinking. What's better than Star Wars? Well, I've got two words for you. Sweeney Boo. Tonight we are honored to have uh, honored to welcome a very special guest, comic author and uh, illustrator Sweeney Boo. Uh, she no pressure. <laughs> so welcome, Sweeney. You say hello to everybody. Hello, thank you so much for having me. So uh, Sweeney just recently released her first original graphic novel, "Eat and Love Yourself" with Boom Studios. All of us read it over the weekend, uh, and she has also done the art for Marvel Action's Captain Marvel series written by Sam Maggs, as well as worked on costume designs for characters on the Marvel Rising TV series. And I'm sure that there's more, but we're going to let her tell you about it rather than give you her life story right now. So once again, welcome to uh, The Caption Life, Sweeney. Thank you. And I just want to point this out because uh, the, the Caption Life is international. Sweeney is in Canada. Where, where are you currently at right now? Montreal. Montreal, Canada. So yeah. we... We have literally hit the the Western Hemisphere from top to bottom now on this on this on this podcast because <laughs> our last guest Juan was from uh, was from Argentina. Am I saying? Yeah, he's yeah. from Argentina. Mm -hmm. He's from Argentina. Yeah. So we have now run the gamut of the entire um, Western Hemisphere, top to bottom. It's very very good to have you on. Uh, even if we weren't all sheltering in place because of COVID nineteen, this would be the only way to get a chance to talk to you. So we're we're glad you're here. Yeah, I almost feel like it's normal. <laughs> well, we were doing this before everybody was. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and interesting enough, Sean and James and I have never actually met each other. Oh, wow. We just connected. Crazy. Yeah, we just connected on Twitter. Um, although, if you look at the four panels of us on Zoom, it looks like we might have been separated by birth. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, but we connected. Who knows? We might have been. <laughs> we connected with each other on Twitter and and became uh, long distance best friends. And we started a podcast so that we could have conversations about the cool things about comics that we love. So, um, Sean, I'll let you get into the the first question. Yeah, and actually, uh, Sweeney, I wanted to ask you this because I read your profile. So you were uh, born in France, 
Yes. And now, and now you live Mon- in Montreal, which is the, you know, um, Quebec is the French uh, province for Canada. I was just wondering if there's like a, a if that just happened to be like a happy um, uh, coincidence or if there was a reason for that. It was a, it was totally intentional when I moved because I, I moved like four years ago and uh-huh. I didn't really speak English at the time. Um, so I was just like, it's easy. Uh, it's very cheap. <laughs> right. And it's also very nice. Um, but it turns out my boyfriend's Anglophone and we live in the like Anglophone neighborhood. So. Yeah. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Montreal's like French light. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the, the, the Epcot version of France, like just a little <laughs> bit. Just it's like it's like it's like for you guys it would be like like you know British it's like it's it's French but it's so different. Okay, right. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, um, Sweeney, would you share a little bit about your background for us? Uh, you know, we just talked about how you're from uh, France originally, um, but maybe a little bit more about you know growing up. What was your first experience with comics? And uh, maybe tell us a little bit more about when you. Uh, realized that you want to pursue a uh, career in the field of uh, comics and art and artistry for sure um so i i've always like been like into artistic stuff um even growing up at first i wanted to be a fashion designer but um it's really complicated <laughs> <laughs> and turns out i discovered comics in the middle but um what happened is that i through high school, I was just having like a really tough time with everything except art. Mm-hmm. And um, I ended up going to um specialized kind of high school where I learned graphic design. But it mm-hmm. was like really more involved into like drawing. So um, when I graduated, I was 18 um, and I was like, okay. Um, what am I going to do now? And um, I started working with a little like studio when I was working freelance for them, but I was doing lettering. So mm-hmm. I was doing comic lettering for French publishers. Cool. So yeah, I I don't know. I lettered like Batman and My Little Pony, and it was I, I was eighteen, and it was so cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, and on the side, I was like drawing just a lot. Um, I didn't know what I wanted to do with it really, but I just you know, I wanted to like keep keep going. And um when I was like around that age, I discovered Sky Doll, which is a Italian comic, but it was really big in Europe. Um and it's like it's it's about it's uh, done by Alessandro Barbucci and Barbara Canepa and it's like it's really Disney looking, it's really beautiful and colorful, but the subject is really heavy. And I was like, this is exactly what I want to do. This is, this is the, like the mix and like comics like this. This is exactly what I want to do. But I wanted mm-hmm. to do it for Europe in the first place, which I tried. Um, mm-hmm. And then I tried for like, I don't know, maybe four years. I did some um, color work, stuff like that. And uh, I decided to move to Angoulême, which is like mm-hmm. a famous city for the comic uh, festival every year. Which was a bad idea <laughs> because uh, there's no one there really. Well, like everyone has their friends and stuff like that. But anyway, um, so I really tried to get into the French comic industry, but I never really felt like I belonged, um, really. And I had the opportunity to move to Canada, which I did. And uh, everyone was just like 
so nice and welcoming here and uh, mm-hmm. and i don't know i discovered comics was like more like more like scope pilgrim stuff like that and that was just like yeah this is perfect and that's really what i want to do so yeah i've been doing for like eight years really um and i started working professionally last year Mm -hmm. when did you when did you know that you were good at it and that you could possibly pursue it professionally i still don't okay um i'm still like oh my god you really want to hire me (laughs) um but um i don't know it's been two years now so i like i know that it's going well and i just feel very lucky because i don't know you never know it could stop or something so i'm just um i'm just enjoying it for now (laughs) very cool so i want to um ask you about your book eat and love yourself I devoured that book in one sitting yesterday. I like how you use the word devour. Yes, right? (laughs) Pun intended, right? (laughs) Yes, pun intended, I guess. Like, I just got into that book and just just engrossed in it. Um, So can you tell us kind of what it was like to tell what seems like a very personal story through Eat and Love Yourself? Um, it was really, um, hard, I guess. Um, scary too, because, um, although it's not like biographical or anything, it's still very close to home for me. Um, and I remember I, like the way I always work is I always like draw like random characters here and there. Um, and I usually build stories around them. And one day I drew Mindy and I was just like, wow, wow. I really want to tell something with her. And I really want to tell something about when I went through with eating disorder. Um, just because at the time when I was sick, I remember looking for books or stuff to read, like about like people going through the same thing because it was really difficult for the people around me to understand what I was going through. Um, and it was like kind of taboo to talk about it, really. So when I got all better and stuff like that, I was just like, I I want to do that for someone. Um, I want to do something that when people read it, they're like, oh, well, I relate to that in so many ways. So yeah, that was like the, the biggest idea behind it. This is a book that's definitely going on my classroom shelf. The moment, you know, we go back to school. You know, whenever that is, because um, I think this is just, you know, one of those important books that really needs to be in a classroom, in a school media center that kids just need to have access to. Yeah. Yeah, because there's, there's not a lot, there's not a lot about that. And for, for somebody like in a position like James and I, where we, we both teach kids probably between 12 and James, how you're like most mostly freshmen, right? Uh I teach uh fifteen, sixteen ish. Yeah, so, so 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 people who are really just trying to figure out who they are and I mean we we see a lot as educators, but we also we don't know how to deal with a lot of this stuff. And just just the having having read that to see what it's like to, to kind of experience that alongside Mindy, but then to also understand 
and be able to relate if we're if we were ever crossed paths with somebody that that was dealing with that having having read that book i feel you know a, a little bit more enlightened to to what it is like to struggle the, uh, with that struggle that's that's really amazing because it's like um really what i wanted to do i don't i don't mean to say that like this is like exactly what someone is going to go through or this is like a perfect like i i know everything about eating disorder and like um this is really my own experience in mm-hmm. like my 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 own thoughts about it and um i already got messages from some readers that just told me like even if i don't have an eating disorder I like so I saw myself with Mindy through like depression and other points and uh so I'm glad that it can like speak to people in many many ways. Yeah. It's definitely but, about about I definitely see the you know the the importance of finding the finding the something about yourself or finding um you know being able to love yourself um because it is it's it is it's a, it can be a struggle especially when you get you know when you get down because w- whether or not it's an eating disorder or whether or not it's your job situation mm-hmm. um you know you're unhappy with where you work or you know or you're looking for something to fill whatever void you have and 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 sometimes we we do that with food and it's you know and it just it causes it's cyclical it causes a, 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 to become a, another problem really? And it's really just, it's really just a symptom of, you know, being able to be comfortable in your own skin and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of comfortable in my own skin, I, <clears throat> I really like Mindy. Um, I kind of have a crush on her, but she reminds me a lot. She reminds me a lot of my, of my wife, uh, minus the glasses. Um, although I wish my wife did have glasses cause I think glasses are cute. Um, but yeah, like I, I, and now that I've had a chance to read it, I, I want to pass it on to her. So that she can get a chance to to see that too, because I think it's a story for everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, and you know what I was going to say is one of the things I really found I found a lot of things fascinating about the book, but I think one of the things that really stuck out in my mind is um, the relationships that she goes through growing up, because it, it starts off, you know, not to you know, spoiler alerts for anyone who wants to read the book before um, they hear more about this on the podcast, but it starts off with you see that the main character has a uh, difficult relationship with her father. And so you keep seeing like that playing out probably halfway through the book, but she has like a really good uh, relationship. It seems like with her mother, who's trying to be very supportive. Mm -hmm. Um, But then you find that when it gets into her teenage years, it almost seems like uh, the mother like flipped roles Mm -hmm. in a sense, because now she becomes critical. And so that was just something that um, I was just, I found very interesting because when your first reading is she uh, reaches out in present day to her mom to talk to her. Uh, it seems like, you know, the mom was, it was exactly the same, but then when you start seeing that experience when she was a teenager and that her mom starts being a little bit more critical, it, it just adds like a whole nother layer to how, you know, the cycle, um, you know, it just gets more complicated mm-hmm. and it, it's harder to break at that point because it seems like, you know, the one relationship that, she may have had that it was supportive and could help her with that has, you know, changed uh, drastically halfway through the story. And I just, I, I really found, found that like just fascinating, really impactful. It was just, I remember just thinking like, oh my gosh, this is a really, you know, just a really interesting take that I wasn't expecting. So I really like that part of the, 
layer that you added to the story in terms of how complicated this whole um, this whole experience she has with herself uh, is. And so I, I really enjoy that part of the book. Yeah, I'm so I'm so glad you picked that out. That's amazing. Um, yeah, I totally agree. It's just because you know, like it's a relationship from like a mother to her child and her kid in the first place, and then it becomes woman mm-hmm. with another woman. So it's mm-hmm. just different. It it right. Yeah, it it becomes really different. You know, you you mentioned we mentioned how there's not there's there there aren't a lot of books on the subject, and it's hard to to talk about it. It can be taboo. But the the the, the what Sean's talking about with that relationship, it reminds me of like just how much of a generational gap there can be mm-hmm. because at the same time you see, it seems like mom is being um, insensitive maybe, but, it, but you got to remember that that is the, the generation that preceded us. That's a, that's the way that they were parented. Mm-hmm. And so it, it makes it, it's, it's easy to see that. I mean, I'm not going to, I say that I identify that with, or I sympathize with that because like, it's always been a, a personal thing for me to not parent the way that my parents did. Um, but you can, you can see that coming through Like she reacts to the problems that Mindy is going through because that's probably the way that her mother reacted to her. Yeah. Like for example, the way I grew up with my mom, she would always, and she still does it. She always complains about her, about her body. Like always. She would always say like, oh, I really like this, but I can't wear it because I wouldn't look good in it. And I would be, or like, I, I would look too fat in it or something. And I'm a, I'm a 10 year old next to her and I'm in my head, different things were so like, she looks good, but also does that mean that I can't either then? And there's just like many things. And like you say, it's very like generational because uh, I would, if the day one day when I'll I'll have kids, I will be aware of like speaking like like this about my own body because the way a kid is gonna take it is gonna be really different. So yeah. Can you tell us about um your experience with launching uh launching this project via Kickstarter and eventually um getting it published through Boom Studios? Also before you answer that question, I should pre I should say that I think it's incredibly cool that you are are near the beginning of your career in the comics industry and you've kind of kicked the doors open with a, a story that's this personal. A lot of people work for a long, long time in order to be able to get to do the kind of story that they wanted to do. And you, here you are at the at the jump and you've got to tell this this amazing and beautiful uh, story. But could you tell us a little bit about um, starting with going through Kickstarter and then eventually getting published uh, through Boom Studios? So, first of all, the book is not only me. We were we were two in the process. So I'm I didn't write it. I was the co-creator. Oh, okay. But things happened in the middle, and the other person had like decided to like step out. But um, at the time, we were trying to find a publisher for it, like early, early beginning. Um, the project was quite different to it a little, and um, we sent it to a few publishers in Europe at the time, and. We had we we got a lot of like not interested or like whatever whatever just like no and um, I didn't want to let go of of it because it was just so important so this is why the uh, up to now I started working on this book in like 2015 so I was just like let's try Kickstarter um, 
I I had a job in video game at the time. So I was like, I can totally work on it at night, weekends. Uh, this is really what I want to do. So um, yeah, we launched a Kickstarter, which is way harder <laughs> than I thought it would be. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it was amazing. Um, it was, we, we got the funding, we got a lot of people really invested, um, and it was great. Unfortunately, we were a bit late on the like delivery and everything, but in between all of this, I went to the Toronto Comic Art Festival, which usually takes place in May, which which should have been this weekend. Um, it was back in 2017 um, or 18, can't remember. But I went there with like the, tw- the first 20 pages of the book, and like on like it was like a little zine. Um, and I went to portfolio reviews and I met IDW and I met Bloom Studios. And two months after I had a green lit for the book with Bloom Studios. And it was amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And I always, I always see that when, when I go to cons and whatnot, like that so-and-so is there doing like portfolio reviews and I'm always thinking, like, yeah, they're just looking. I mean, they're trying to find a needle in the haystack. And then but you're not the first person that's that's that I've heard that's found success through that. So that's that's really cool. Yeah, because like when even when I met IDW a year and a half after I started working on Captain Marvel. So it's just personal reviews can be very important, really. I am. Um, I have I have my kids create. um e-portfolios with the work that they do in school um when i when i went to back to school to do uh, a, a graduate degree it was one of the things that they focused on and it's in, it's incredibly important for people to be able to find you and find your work mm-hmm. and see what you're capable of um and i try to i try to share this as much as i can when someone when somebody googles you you want the first thing that that shows up to be something that you control mm-hmm and how important that having you know a website or a, or an actual portfolio to get in front of people because that we live in the 21st century and that's that's your resume now like your your resume is the is the drawings that mm-hmm. that you do it's not what's on it's what's on paper because what's on paper may may sound really really great but i want to be able to see what it is that you've done exactly so also your instagram is a great um portfolio too because i've i've I was scrolling through there the other day and I noticed that you had gotten a lot of love for um, on, on there and on Twitter for your, uh, your mystery, yeah. your mystery crew. And I that. just, yeah, I was showing those, I was showing those to my kids, those updated versions of Scooby and Shaggy and Fred and, and Wilma, uh, no, from Wilma, that's a, that's a different TV show. <laughs> Daphne Wilma! And, and Velma. Uh, but yeah, those, that was, that was really cool to see. And and like, I hope more people see that and be like, wow, this is, this is really good stuff. Thank you so much. You know, you just brought up a little bit ago, your work with, um, IDW on the Marvel action, Captain Marvel. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about that and what that was like versus, um, the work you did with eat and love yourself with like how the process was, was different between those two projects. Well, first of all, I love to draw fan art. I think everyone knows that. <laughs> so I love like 
just taking a character and like drawing it. And um, so like I said, when I went to the portfolio reviews, I, I met Bobby Kerno from IDW and um, it was really, really nice. And after that, I got to do uh, My Little Pony cover about two months after. Um, and it went really well. And um, I had nothing after that for like, I don't know, about six months. And one day I just get an email out of nowhere. <laughs> says Captain Marvel and I was like what <laughs> um <laughs> and it was just like offering me to do a sample to try to get it which I did um and I didn't hear anything for like a month and my parents came to visit from their like small town friends and we went to New York <laughs> and while we were visiting New York all of us I got an email that said well you got it <laughs> and uh I started crying <laughs> it was amazing it was <laughs> that's so cool. Truly unbelievable to get to draw like such like an important feminine superhero character, and especially like I don't know, it was it was crazy, and uh, really, uh, I love it. That's great. The uh, that's in my I was able to get the Eat and Love Yourself from Amazon, and it came pretty quickly. But uh, I've got the other, I've got the Captain Marvel book ordered. Um, my my son, who is 11, is really excited about that. And then I think my daughter will be, too, once she can learn to read. But she's only four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, like, um, when they told me like, I was going to work with Sam Mags, I was like, well, that's crazy. And, like, <laughs> her scripts are so, so hilarious. They're really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I have a bunch of the, the Marvel adventures. I think it's kind of what Marvel action was about 10 years ago. And they're they're like the smaller mm-hmm. um, books and they're meant for like middle middle grade readers. Um, and I have a bunch of those. And I think I, I want to say like 15 of them. And I bought them all when they were like you know, close out things at comic book stores or whatnot for like a dollar ninety five or whatever. But the scripts are really, really great. Like some of the best Spider-Man stuff that I've ever read was from uh, was from those books. And they're really, really they're really, really funny and they're really, really thought out. And um, I, w- I wonder if that's if that's partly because the, the, the people who are creating the book have a, a younger audience in mind. So it's maybe simplified, like things are are simpler and more straightforward. Um, and, and maybe that's just because even in comics, I don't have a very high reading level. But, <laughs> but I, I really enjoy reading those types of books. Yeah, I actually know what you mean, because like. If I wanted, if I want to start reading Marvel when I wanted to start at the time, I was just like, where, where do I start? Even if I like, I didn't read any comics, but I knew about Spider-Man. I knew about him. I knew about Mm -hmm. pretty much everyone, but like jumping in is really hard. But when you have like Marvel action, it's just like, it's a fun adventure. You don't have to know a big background. It's just a good time. Mm -hmm. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and and I read a a couple of the ones that you worked on, Sweeney. I really, um, one of the things about Captain Marvel is, um, for me is that I actually didn't get into Captain Marvel till the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe came around and started introducing her, and then I read her comics and absolutely love it. Um, it's one of my favorite comics. I love to read just her story and everything. Mm-hmm. But one of the things I really love is her, um. And all the comics, like her her friendship with Jessica Drew, Spider Woman, mm-hmm. and I just happen to love the fact that Marvel Action uh, story that you worked on 
kept that going through the the two books I read. I'm sure it went through the whole series, but I just I love that relationship and I really like seeing that and 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 I'm really excited to show that to my son because he actually really loves Captain Marvel. That's one of his favorite superheroes so as well cool. too. So when he gets into yeah, so and I really like that too. So it makes me excited that he loves Captain Marvel and so um him being able to see not just her but you know that friendship and and be able to um, see that play out uh, in the comic book as well too. It was really exciting for me. So I really love reading your books because it seems like it really you know drew in some of the best parts of, of Captain Marvel and I and I really loved your uh, your drawings uh, for that story as well too. It's just really it's really great and I think it just really brings the character to life um, uh, for for everybody of all ages, not just you know the younger audience, but I think everybody as well, as well too. So so I really liked it. Thank it, you. It's really, it was a really fun read. Yeah, yeah I agree. I feel like. You know, it's really, you, you, they usually like ship uh, a female character in a really, like a, a relationship with a, like a love relationship more easily. Um, and I like mm -hmm. that with Captain Marvel, they, they just like explore more her friendship with Jessica, which is way more interesting. <laughs> right. <laughs> when you, when you're working on, um, your your art, whether or not it's fan art or um, whether it's drawing like uh, your story through with Eat and Love Yourself, how do you how do you come up with like the style that you that you want to be able to uh, that you want to use to tell the story? Mm. Is it is it just like these are this is the way I draw people, or is it uh, or is it like you know you you have a certain look that you're going for because you. Because what we what we have seen is you have two very different titles. You know, you have a superhero story, and then you have a very um, a very personal and human story. And I was just wondering about about that. I just feel like um, at at the time because I was I was working on In Love Yourself way before I started working on Captain mm -hmm. Marvel, so I already had the the tone. I knew it was going. It was supposed to be quiet and soft in a way even if my drawing isn't necessarily soft it's more angular but and um i didn't really think about that i just feel like it's usually the way i take the story the way i i feel like it's supposed to be which was really interesting to like i was working on both at the same time at the end and to have those very heavy sad pages of even love yourself which were sometimes more poetic and to have Captain Marvel, which was a lot of like energy and fun and friendship. And uh, so it was like um, a good training to have to like switch between both. But yeah, like it's usually the way I take the story. Do you do, you do anything while you're drawing, like listen to music or anything to, to help you uh, or to pace yourself or anything like that? I watch a lot of movies and shows. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. You can you can do two things at once. You can pay attention. Yeah, I, I love to rewatch like stuff that I've already watched, like Friends or okay. Downton Abbey or something. Mm -hmm. I don't really have to pay attention. It's like I have my friends in the background; they're doing their stuff, but they're like keeping me company. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a that's a trend nowadays with everyone. Our generation is um, is have something on the background that you've already seen mm -hmm. before, where you don't have to like really pay attention. But it's kind of like a just a yeah. comfort thing that stimulates while you're doing something. So I, I remember growing up in high school, I was the same way where I would work on homework, would have like the TV going on in the background and everything. I feel like I just always grew up like that. And that it's, it, you know, how we were talking about generations earlier, Kevin, like 
I think my mom, I remember my mom never understood why I had the TV going on while I was working on homework, but I was like a straight A student. So she never really harped on me too much, but it was just something that, you know, we did. And I think it's just kind of creates that yeah, because we grew up in like a multimedia society, you know, not as much as our kids now, but um, the way we grew up is, you know, we always stimulate with like music or, you know, television or movies or things like that. It's just, it's a nice little uh, comfort to have while we're working on stuff. So, yeah. Uh, and and I'm the same way as well too. It's like if I'm working on something, I'll you know put something on the background that um, I've already listened to. I never you know try to start something new where I have to pay attention. I just you know whip something up that that I really like that I can really just you know follow along in my head without having to really pay attention. So I can work on what I'm working on. So yeah, I think you're a good company there. Because <laughs> I told you guys about trying to learn Spanish by watching Narcos on on Netflix, but. Like, seriously, it was a different experience watching that show and not being able to look down at my phone or like while I mm-hmm. was watching it because I don't speak Spanish, not fluently enough to understand everything that they're talking about. So I have to read and 75 percent of the show is in is in Spanish. So you have to read the subtitles and it was different to have to like actually like pay attention to something and give it your full uh, attention. I think that's that's. I think I think that's why people will still go back to theaters when when theaters like reopen, you know, because you're mm-hmm. you just it's you're there in in the theater and it's the experience and you put everything aside, you know, for that two hours or in case it's in game three hours. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like it was it was really really different, uh, and, and I'm not one that can can multitask anyway. So kudos to you, <laughs> uh, Sweeney, for being able to to create something while while you're doing that. Well, thanks. <laughs> I'm the type of person that like, if you say something while I'm typing, I stop typing what I was typing. I start typing what you're saying. I've been seeing you too. All right. Sweeney. So our last question for you is um, one of our previous guests on the show, uh, Brian Hill shared on Twitter the other day that he's never had a driver's license. And so we thought that we might ask you, what's a really interesting fact about yourself that you'd like to share with our audience that maybe, you know, people don't know this about you or just something that you find is this really interesting about yourself? Oh, um, so actually, I never had a driver's license either, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, something really weird is that I grew up in an elderly home. Oh, really? Yeah. My mom was working there. Um she was working there 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. So we had an apartment. Uh, so I, I don't know. Yeah. Until I was like nine. Yeah. No kidding. Hmm. I, I didn't realize, I mean, that I, I would think that's not a very common thing, but I, so was this an apartment like inside the home yeah, or was yeah, this yeah. like an apartment like above it? Oh, okay. Yeah. I guess I didn't realize that. I don't know if it's still a thing like nowadays. I feel like before right. it was because like if anything would happen, like they would be there and they could be able to take care of it day and night. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe they have a different way to do it now, but yeah. Gotcha. Because yeah, I know my wife's uh, grandmother lived like in a senior living community where she had kind of like her own apartment, but they had like people who would come and like check in on her um, in like a senior community. But I don't think, you know, the people lived there. I think they still, you know, had their own homes off the property mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So, oh, that's, so is, does that, do you feel like that's like shaped your, um, your perception on anything like maybe with healthcare workers, you know, especially now or, or, the, you know, elderly or anything like that, because you grew up in a, 
apartment on the in the nursing home? Uh, actually, in a way, it really shaped my anxiety <laughs> to, towards death. Oh, really? Yeah. Gotcha. Um, I don't know. I was talking about it with my therapist no longer. She was like, well, you kind of grew up with like people dying around you. And I was like, mm -hmm. yeah, that's maybe a way to see it. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that went south quickly. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we can go back on the driver's license if you want. <laughs> <laughs> Can you get around Montreal without a driver's license pretty well, I'm assuming? Oh, yeah. yeah gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's still like, walkable. I feel like in the U.S., there's only very few places where you can actually do that. It, like, for the most part, everybody has a driver's <laughs> license unless you live in New York City or Boston mm -hmm. or one of the big or places like that. So L.A. Yeah. L.A. Although, I think you still have to drive. Like, most people still have driver's license there, but I could be wrong. That's where that's where Brian Edward Hill lives, and he doesn't have a driver's license. <laughs> that's true. He yeah. works from he works from home, and he walks wherever he has to go. And if he has a meeting or, somewhere, he Ubers. Ubers. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, I didn't think about that. My younger brother moved to New York City like two years ago. Yeah, two years ago he moved to New York City, and was like really, really intent on taking his car with him to New York City. And I tried to convince him not to. And the universe intervened and somebody stole his car oh before God. he had a chance to go. <laughs> and then they recovered his car. They recovered his car. And I had to go with my dad from Texas to, to Louisville, Kentucky, to pick his car up and put it on a trailer and bring it home. Mm. But then he was like, yeah, you guys just hold on to it because I don't need it. It's, it's, <laughs> it's way cheaper to just take the subway and the bus and stuff like that. So, yep, That's funny. Yeah, it was a it's an interesting story for another time. Like, cause the whole thing is pretty funny. Uh, hey, Sweeney, thank you so much for joining us, uh, this evening for this conversation. Uh, it was really, really great getting to meet you and to talk to you before we let you go. Can you let everybody know where they can find you, uh, online, social media, things like that? Yeah. Um, I'm on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, um, Tumblr is still a thing. Um, and if you just Google Sweeney Boo, I, it's my name everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> There's not like another Sweeney Boo that's out there that you know of, right? Not that I know of, no. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's really, it's really interesting your name, and and you don't have to tell us if that's your real name or not. But my my daughter Caroline is four, and one of the nicknames I call her is is Sweetie Boo. Oh, so it was <laughs> it was really like what? We're interviewing this this lady named Sweeney Boo. That's really that that's a little, little weird, but um. But we're, we, yeah, we are glad that we we are glad that you joined us, and we will make sure that we post all links to all your stuff when we put this up. Uh, that wraps up another episode of the Caption Life. We hope you enjoyed listening to us. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button on whatever major podcast platform you listen to. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Caption Life. If you like what we're doing, give us a shout out, tag us in the post, and until next time, see ya. Peace out. Made force be with you <laughs> way to go way to go james <laughs> somebody had to do it that's what that's what the professionals call a callback <laughs> <laughs>